Hi, and welcome to a uh, new edition of Movie Fail Podcast. Uh, I'm here with Josh Rosenfield, and we're going to discuss House of Cards, Season 1 and Season 2, uh, and talk a little bit about what we liked, what we didn't like, and what we're excited for going into the third season of the show. Um, so first, I guess we'll just talk about uh, Season 1 a little bit and get into what we um, what we enjoyed about that season and then sort of contrast it with uh, the newest season. Um, so Josh, did you did you enjoy the first season? You know, I did. It's um, I think I kind of enjoyed the idea of the show more than I actually ended up enjoying the show when it came out. Uh, when it, of course, when it's announced, you get uh, just the idea of it's a television show that's going to be on Netflix, and David Fincher is attached, and Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright are going to be the stars. That sounds amazing. Like, even if it's not good, that's just the concept of that is so cool and I loved I was very excited for the first season mm-hmm. um I did I took me a little while to finish the first season it's a couple probably a couple months before I actually got to the end just because I really kind of got bored <laughs> um binge uh, binge watching it which is uh strange because that's ostensibly how it should be watched that's what they what's that's what Netflix likes to say um but yeah it's it's there's so there was so much kind of fluff in the first season that I it was tough to get invested, and they don't really reveal what's been going on and what the whole plan has been until close to the end. So when you're trying to get through like the episode with the the peachoid and you know right. whatever other uh, plots they had going on, it's kind of it got kind of tedious. Um, but, you know, the, the acting was great. I thought the characters were great. It was a fun show. So, you know, I finished and I, I enjoyed the first season. And the second season had many of the same issues and many more. You know, it's funny that it's actually funny that you chose to use the word fun um, to describe it because I would consider it the opposite of fun. Um, <laughs> it's a show that uh, that really it, it doesn't have um, to me. And this this really gets to the fundamental of what I, the problem I had with. House of Cards, uh, especially going into season two, I had a problem, um, and this is a problem that's been consistent across Breaking Bad, it's been a problem consistent across a lot of shows, a lot of current shows, even True Detective to some degree, although they did work on uh, sort of adding this element in, but to me it's emotion, it's an an emotional core, Uh, and and the way Frank Underwood operates, and the way the characters in that show operate, um, even characters I really like, like... uh, um, like Jackie Sharp, uh, played by Molly Parker from Deadwood, she, even characters like that, there there seem to be not a lot of emotional uh, backing to them. There's not, they don't feel real. They don't feel like real people. They feel like sociopaths, you know. And 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 so I loved in the first season the character of uh, Peter Russo. I thought he was phenomenal. He was flawed. He he did a lot of really terrible things. Um, you know, he was kind of a crappy father, but he, you felt bad for him, and it's funny because they use that metaphor of the dog, you know, um, that has to be put down. But I felt bad for him like I'd feel bad for, you know, a stray dog that, you know, might be rabid and whatever, but, you know, you still feel bad for it. You're not, you know, rooting for it to die. Whereas, you know, Underwood and all these characters are so despicable. Uh, and then when, you know, Russo's, Russo is killed at, towards the end of the, the first season, you're left with, um, you know, the only person left is, 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 is Frank Underwood. Uh, and he's he's not relatable in in any sort of meaningful human way. And it, going into this the second season without Russo, I, I thought that would be a problem, and it was. Where I I was intrigued to watch sort of as a freak show type uh, deal, where I'm like, ooh, what's you know what crazy horrible things are they going to do next? But I wasn't compelled to watch because I felt they were so uh, relatable or interesting, um, like Russo was. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I <laughs> it's another conversation, but I well, I while I disagree with. Uh, that opinion on Breaking Bad. You're absolutely absolutely right about House of Cards. Yeah, there's no real... There's no heart to House of Cards. There's really no uh, emotional core. I thought thought Peter Russo was a fantastic character. He's undoubtedly the best character from the first season. Consistently just interesting, and um, and he's in complex. And yeah, it's... Once he's gone, there's really no one left with any sort of 
conscience or just to root to root for you really want to root for a character i'm not rooting for underwood so like i don't know what you know i'm supposed to be (laughs) cheering well yeah i mean and the person you root for is is zoe and then she's gone and that's her boyfriend and then he's gone and it's like there's no one you know i think rachel sort of took over that role a little bit yeah um and and i think that was an interesting plot line i actually was intrigued by it uh more than i thought i would be because i wasn't in into her character so much in the first season but she does become this sort of sad character who you're hoping will sort of escape the you know from out from under the thumb of doug and and frank but yeah i agree that there's but for the most part there's not really a russo-like character and it would be all right if like i think it would be okay even if there was no one to root for if at least they were more you at least there was uh, an emotional core to their behavior and their motivations or just and just their personalities. Right. Everyone on the show is so cold and just yeah, exactly. Awful. And you know, it's uh, when when Frank kind of will looks into the camera and smirks and stuff. That's always that's you know funny, and I, I enjoy that aspect of the show a lot. But you know, there's really no like we have no sense of what is motivating Frank from him as a person, other than power. Right, power. He wants power, and that's you know. I get that's what the show is about, but that's such a kind of boring motivation. I, I agree. I absolutely agree. I mean, they did it a little bit with the Civil War thing, and, you know, I liked them trying, and they tried it with um, with his wife, with trying to, with the abortion, and with trying to flesh these characters out in that way. But um, if you look at it in terms of character development, those moments feel, I guess, more like exposition than they do, like, moments of action that feel organic. But I do think that... Um, that that they did manage to make uh, Claire's character feel more human in that way because you know she she has to relate to um, she has to relate to uh, the I forget the woman's name who she has speak on behalf of the uh, the sexual assault um, in the the military. Yeah, um, um, I, I I cannot remember her name either. I don't uh, remember. I mean, she's a small character, but she has to sort of relate to her because you know they were both they both have this backstory with this uh, this general or this you know this commander guy, and and I, to me that that's that's compelling, and I thought that was an interesting sort of side note, and it certainly made Claire more interesting than she was in the first season, where she just you know she alternates between being cold, calculating, and you know supporting her husband to you know going to sleep with this photographer, and neither of them felt particularly like interesting subplots whereas here i certainly appreciated that a bit more yeah it, it, uh, megan hennessy is the character megan hennessy right yeah um it, i agree i appreciated uh the attempt to kind of uh, flesh claire out as a uh as a character as a person but that doesn't really it still doesn't really fix the problem with her and the rest of the characters which is that the way we see them now is still cold calculating and emotionless which you know it's nothing none of the stuff that we learn about her past you know it makes it it makes more sense now kind of the way she acts i guess but it's it's still just it it doesn't fix it completely and it's it's only one character even it's it's only right right well it's only one character and the other thing is i guess it's exposition was the wrong word it almost feels like we're being given her file you know like yeah. this is this is her backstory, by the way. You know that kind of thing. Um, it would have been interesting to see that sort of manifest itself more clearly. You know, like she, she there's no clear ramifications aside from her coldness or her, I guess, sociopathy or whatever it is that's going on. Uh, besides that, there's no ramifications to the fact that she was involved in this horrible uh, sexual assault when she was younger, or you know that she had an abortion like there's no aside from the fact they don't have kids you know that's all just on paper but you don't see it manifest itself in any sort of way yeah i I didn't either it's and it's also i think it has to do not just with the characters but with kind of the tone of the show yeah and what's very interesting about the second season is how it turns from well in the first season this was this very it was a very straight-faced kind of you know very serious show about Washington. This is what this show, this is what the, the world is and it's cold and it's cynical and whatever. And somewhere in season two, it turned into like a soap opera. Really? That's what it, that's what happened. It's the show is now this ridiculous, completely over the top, 
absurd. Like you know, it, even when it started, when it started, it was based supposedly in real you know politics. But even like the scene where uh, Frank has the Republican uh, congressman literally dragged into the <laughs> into the chamber to to vote. That's ridiculous, you know, and it's 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 ridiculous, but it's a it's a I don't know that it's been actually done, but it is on the books. It is a thing that could actually happen. Um, but I, I agree. It's it's absurd in that there. I mean, what I'm really curious about, it's interesting you say that is that, uh, you know, they've got these, if you will, uh, they've played a lot of their cards. <laughs> uh, and so I feel like going into season three that, you know, what more can you do now? You know, now, first of all, now Frank's president. So power plays are going to be interesting. I don't know where you're supposed to go from there. Um, they've already played the uh, the the military um, or the, the the dragging people into ha you know forcing them to vote. Uh, you've played the impeachment card, so mm -hmm. you know you've played all these. You've played the filibuster card, so you've got all of these things that are. I guess filibustering is fairly common, but most of those things are, are unique. You know, they're not things that happen every day. And it'll start to feel like contrived um, if they keep using them. So what do you do now that you have him in the presidency and you have all these things that you've already used, uh, all these elements, and so you're, you're sort of stuck. And so it's funny that you say that it's ridiculous. To me, it's not ridiculous yet, but it could be very soon as soon as they walk themselves into these story corners that they don't have any you know way to get out of. They don't have a way to like talk themselves out of it. They can't, they can't use any of these uh, get-out-of-jail-free cards anymore. Oh, I thought it got ridiculous as soon as this whole uh, plan to become the president was put in place. Because I guess, okay, fine. First of all, you know, <laughs> he becomes the president. Uh, okay, if that's where you want to go with it, fine. But why? Like, he seems so powerful and so, you know, manipulative just as the vice president. That being the, the there's, it's a lateral move, it seems like, just to, to become the president. Because he had power over every single person in the country, pretty much, as the vice president. Right. And then the way he becomes the president seems kind of absurd. Because the, the reason that the president is impeached is that it's revealed that he and his wife were in marriage counseling. And I, I just do, I don't buy that, that that's, that's not a reason to impeach the president. Like, would that be a scandal? okay but he didn't break any laws he didn't do anything evil it's just he and his wife were in marriage counseling and i cannot accept that that's the, that well, that was such a horrible event that the whole country turned against the i president. think i think i mean i think it was more about the medication that he was supposedly on making important decisions but that's but, true. Oh, but yeah. that was so unclear it was so i was like i thought the wife was on medication i didn't think he was so I was like, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure where that's coming from. But I thought what had been more compelling is sort of a uh, nod, wink, um, uh, parallel to Clinton, where Clinton didn't actually do anything illegal, immoral, unethical, yeah. sure. Um, but then he lied under oath, which was impeachable. And so if they had made his, you know, the Walker character say, you know, I didn't, you know, go to marriage counseling or I didn't, you know, take medication or whatever, and then get impeached for that. Perhaps that would have made for a compelling um, uh, reason for impeachment, but simply being on medication for stress when you're the president is kind of <laughs> absurd. I, and I, I agree. But in terms of lateral movement for uh, Frank, it's not only lateral movement that's it seems a little, it's almost a step down because now he's going to be taking the fall for whatever happens. You know, when he was vice president, you got to operate behind the scenes. There's an advantage to not being the face of all the things that go down in the in the presidency. And so, I don't know, I, I think it's a little weird to go that direction. Yeah, absolutely. It almost seems like, like, he, there's no, he never states that he wants to be the president. There's no, again, like you said, there's no reason why he would want to be the president because it seems like a worse position for him to be in to get the stuff done that he wants to. And it also seems like he doesn't even really try. <laughs> like, he just kind of falls into it over the course of the ending of the season as all this stuff starts to come out. It's not like in season one where he was very clearly manipulating people and moving pieces around the chessboard. So he can become get... vice president, yeah. Yeah, that was not clear at all in the second season if he was doing that. And I don't think he was. It just seems kind of like stuff started to happen and he took advantage of it. Well, to... I think I think part of that was the the 
the way the script writers and the people managing the show seem to be angling it, that you can manipulate your way into the vice presidency, but that for bigger power plays, for things like the, the presidency itself, you have to really throw yourself into the wind and hope that it'll blow you into that position, which is why there's that whole scene where he, 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 you know, he breaks the fourth wall and he talks to the camera and he says, you know, I don't really know what's going to happen next. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm releasing all these records. I'm do, I, you know, he he does a bunch of things where he says, you know, all the all the things are in motion, but I have no idea if this is gonna pan out well for me. And I'm like, well, that's. It was interesting because it's a different sort of side of him where he he didn't do something that he knew the outcome of, which is what he normally does. Um, and it's also an important message from the from the people who are making the show who are saying, you know, when you get to the really high levels of of the government and of these, you know, these offices that you can't you can't just chess piece your way into it you have to take a little bit of a risk and that's what he does and it ends up paying out for him which is why it looks like he just sort of floats into that job um but in terms of character it does seem a little out of character that he would make such a a brazen you know last ditch effort but i guess the counterpoint is if he didn't he probably would have been um fired uh from his position as vice president so um because he would have been implicated in all of the scandals and stuff with Zhang and all of the uh the chinese banking things going on yeah well i think what it comes down to is really my big overarching problem with the show now and the second season really is that is that frank kind of is a superhero now like yeah. he's untouchable yeah he can do anything so especially like i see what you, i see what you're saying and it really comes out of, of that where in the first season okay we accept he's really smart and he can manipulate people and that's how this happens but now we get to this position where he literally like he like he doesn't even have to tr- put all this effort in to get all this stuff to happen really it's just kind of every time there's a threat even every time there's a reason that he might get taken down it just like it snaps. resolves itself yeah it goes away and that's like the that's the showrunners really that's the writers making it go away to clear the path for him. And that's so much less compelling than him actually doing something to get where he is instead of just literally you can see the hand of the writers pushing him into the Oval Office. Yes, but doesn't it make, I mean, in terms of him being a superhero or an infallible sort of character, wouldn't you argue that his his being able to manipulate everybody and have everything work out for him exactly the way he planned also be not... It's fun to watch... But at some point, it gets old, you know? And I think that was part of what they were worried about. They were like, well, how many times can we see him manipulate everybody to his end uh, without any sort of risk on his part? Uh, and, of course, it's manufactured risk because we know, you know, what what's Frank under? We're going to not work in the government anymore? That's kind of absurd. Uh, it would have been an interesting end to this season, and that's for sure. But uh, I think I think they're, they're, they were worried in some to some degree about, you know, this this continually manipulative person who doesn't seem to have any... Uh, ability, like nobody can take him down and nobody can really do what they want to do. They're always going to end up doing what he wants to do. And I can see how that might also get old. Well, then the answer really is not um, what they did. The well, answer yeah, is, that's also true. Yes. The answer is take him down. Have him make a mistake. Have him, have there be some crack, something that goes wrong. And it's like, the show is called House of Cards. <laughs> that's what happens. Yes, it's literally. And yet there's no, there has been no collapse yet. Yeah, there's not even like, there's not really even like a hint of a collapse. And I guess, you know, there's stuff at the end of this season that I guess can play into next season. But I, th- I feel like at this point, the, the way the show ends in season two is identical to where it ended in season one. There's yep. really no advancement whatsoever. Like, if you look at the structure of both seasons, they're identical. They're the same, except that instead of Peter, we get Doug this season. Right. But, and instead of the vice presidency, we have the presidency. So by the, when season three opens, you're right. Like, there's nowhere else they can go. The only place, the only way forward is down. But I really, it's just so frustrating that they couldn't have started that this season. Because that's so much more dramatically compelling than just, you know, uh, you know how this guy did all that stuff uh, last season? He's going to do it again, but even more. Um, 
because you liked the last season, so whatever. We'll just give you more of that. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree. Although, and, and you're right, they have set up some things. Like, what what's he going to do without Doug? Um, you know, what? how is Molly Parker's character going to play into next season? Um, but you're right, I, I agree. There was There was some amount of, you know, we sort of... And it's almost like they tried to throw us off a little bit because he's not like I'm going to be president. You know, he kept saying that last last season. He was like basically pretty clear that he was going for the vice presidency, and he had a very clear directive. Here he was like, you know, you know, it's not part of the plan. That's not the plan. But we weren't really sure what the plan was, and then it became clear later that I guess he was trying to become president um, and move you know Walker out of the way so he could become president, um, which seems. But it, it's again, it's like you said, it's manufactured. It's not real. Um, it's not. Re- it, we weren't thrown off the the path because he made you know different actions or whatever. He, it's because the writers decided to be obscure and not be clear that his you know his goal was you know to the end of the the president's office. Yeah, and that's really I think you know maybe maybe it's hard to say without seeing season three because you know maybe in season three they're going to reveal like hey this thing you didn't notice is going to be the whole the thing that takes everything down, but. I really think that it's a mistake to not start that now. Like that should be the cliffhanger ending of this season is something's like this thing is clearly connected to, to Frank and it's going down soon and not Frank is now Frank now has unlimited power. So, well, you know, that, that would, no, I agree. And I think what would have been really compelling is to have that final scene, have that entire plot be the same, but at the same time, a, a counterplot going on where there's something that's literally about to, like you said, like literally about to um, hit its, uh, hit the climax of its, you know, whatever's about to happen. So, uh, you know, he, he gets to the presiden- presidency, he's self-satisfied, he's got that smug smirk, everything's going on. But you know, behind the scenes, he's about five seconds away from losing everything. That would have been compelling because you're like, oh, what's going to happen next? Right now, I'm just like... Oh, I wonder how he's going to act as president, which isn't nearly as interesting to me. Yeah, and they had that going. Yeah, that's true. With with uh, the Lucas plot, and halfway through the season, he gets thrown in jail, and you never see him again. He's never mentioned again. Yep. It's ridiculous because yeah, they have that going, and you feel like okay, like he has every he has all the evidence he needs. He just has to put it together, and like he just he gets you know shipped off off the show and I, that's so disappointing because you they had that they had that going and it's interesting and exciting or it could have been because they did everything in their power to make sure that he was always alone and pathetic right and the very silly uh, deep web stuff um which that's a whole other thing yeah yeah <laughs> but, that that was a little strange but i i was fine with it if it was going to come to something and and that was just it with rachel posner and with the lucas character i just felt like they were building towards a convergence point and maybe they will again next season who knows and maybe it'll involve jackie sharp you know who knows maybe she'll figure out this whole thing and connect the dots and and it'll be a, a multifaceted coup against against underwood but i to me, I was just I wasn't compelled by those those subplots because they they seemed like they had such a finite endpoint because Doug or the FBI or whoever was going to get involved and shut it down before it ever got anywhere. Um, but again, now that they've removed Doug as a as an impediment, perhaps those plots will come to fruition. Who knows? Well, they've really written themselves into a corner because now whatever. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to assume that next season there's going to be that thing where now there's a thing that's going to take Frank down and we're following that. But now they've written themselves into a corner because now whatever that is, it's going to be less believable because there have been all these pretty genuine threats that have gotten, that they've been taken care of so ridiculously easily. So now whatever it's going to be, we're going to be thinking about all the stuff that happened in season two and the fact that it was never really a threat. And it's gonna be, I think it's going to be harder to believe just because of what we know about Frank and what we know about this world and how this universe loves Frank. Apparently, yeah. It's going to have to be something, like, massive, like, gigantic to, to be believable. To be believable, but it, no matter what happens, what's going to do is, you know, sometimes se- later seasons or later series can help retcon previous seasons and improve them but in this case it's just going to point out the plot device characters like doug who just come in and make things go away or 
you know, fix things or become impediments to plots taking off. And then we're just going to notice that even more as a, as a, you know, in retrospect, um, as, you know, as these plots take off and, and there's no one to stop them. Um, so yeah. And, you know, to me, I guess that sort of brings it back around to the idea, um, the seriousness of the show and this cutthroatedness and, you know, the fact that this is a world that rewards Frank's behavior. Um, and then, and then just people like Freddie who would just seem like they did bad things in the past, I guess, no worse than what Frank did. And I guess that was part of the metaphor or whatever was going on, but they get, you know, the shafts on the whole situation. Uh, you know, it, to me, that's, that's so, it's such a strange approach to politics. First of all, we know politics doesn't operate like that. Politics is, is a, you know, is this, you know, massive conglomerate of people who don't agree on anything and just argue but they don't take action i wish they would take action in some way perhaps not the same way frank does but you know so so it's this fantasy world where politics operates at some sort of healthy uh pace and things get done and you know even obama said you know frank underwear gets things done you know and that's that's true uh he does and it's so inaccurate to the real world so i wonder what the reason is for that and it just it builds on itself there's there's one aesthetic choice that i have never understood in the show uh, that I noticed to great degree in the second season. It's probably true in the first season. I just wasn't paying attention. But it's the extended metaphor to really just emphasize how serious he is. He Every episode, two, three times in the episode, he'll use a metaphor. Uh, Frank Underwood will, in his maybe in his fourth wall breaking, sometimes in, in conversation. And it's so absurd. It's so absurd that, it, you know, a metaphor works as a, like just a linguistic device in very specific circumstances but when it's used to such an extensive degree it just feels hammy and to me that's what the show is really becoming it's so absurdly serious and and everyone's dying and things are you know he's so evil it's just impossible to take it seriously so it's less that you know um that it's that it's gotten into ridiculous territory in terms of um plot devices but more that it's just it's become enraptured in its own seriousness that it just it doesn't feel like real world at all aside from the characters all being emotionless little robots uh it's also the the tone of the show itself uh to me it just seems off yeah i i think you're right and i think the problem is the sopranos and the problem is breaking bad <laughs> because this is another show with a uh, tortured white male anti-hero and how, there are dozens of those now in the re- in the wake of the since the sopranos ended there have been tons and this is another one and they're all pretty similar and they all have that same exact really grim dark tone and everything is is awful, and the world is awful. And it's very and it's very cynical. And the best ones uh, focus on the characters, and the characters are have depth, and they're complex, and they're interesting people. And the world isn't always just grim and awful. And the worst ones are just nothing but atmosphere, and, right? You know, dour awfulness, and. House of Cards is leaning, unfortunately, more in that latter direction, where it's, the entire show is built on this atmosphere, and it's built on you believing that American politics is this cutthroat and evil. <laughs> and, you know, it's it certainly reflects the political climate today in a way, but it's this weird, distorted mirror version of it where, <laughs> like, you know, everything, everyone, absolutely everyone is only out for themselves, and no one cares about anything but getting... Ahead. you know more power right yeah no i and it's funny because i mentioned black uh uh i mentioned breaking bad earlier and it's that's not a show um you know i have my own issues with the show but it's funny that i mentioned it because i actually think it's a show that managed to do one thing really really well that i really liked and that was they never got rid of their emotional core uh to me the emotional core of that show was always jesse because uh, he's the most, uh, for me, the most human character, and he he really he he responds to situations in ways where you're like, you know, hor- people are doing horrible things, and Jesse sees it and is like, that's that's messed up, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. crazy, and to me, Russo was was in many ways that sort of character in the first season, and here you don't have that, you don't have that perspective, that grounding in reality of somebody saying, 
really? You know, this that's what's going on right now. Um, and a, a lot of things, a lot of uh, a lot of plots, a lot of movies, a lot of shows need that grounding because it's so absurd. This is going to sound ridiculous, but I just watched Turbo uh, <laughs> last night, and it's a, it's a silly movie. And it, the premise is that a snail races at, wants to race at the Indy 500, and that's ridiculous. But the only real way for that to work, and they do this to some degree, is for another character, you know, for a bunch of char- people in the show or in the movie to say, you know, that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. That's that's like yeah. really really dumb. Self awareness to some extent can really help boost a show's you know reality, which is, seems a little bit bizarre. Uh, it doesn't excuse things. It you know you can't point out plot holes in a show or a movie and say, well, you know, uh, he pointed out a plot hole, so we don't have to explain it, but. Uh, at the same time, uh, it does help in, in, in certain circumstances. Like here, I think, if somebody were saying, wow, Frank Underwood is absolutely a sociopath. And I don't mean an investigative journalist who's so serious, uh, you know, and, and, and just out for blood. I mean just a human, just observing it and saying, wow, I can't believe nobody's reacting to this in any sort of meaningful way. Yeah, it's um, – that's I, what you're talking about, I think, is – uh, often called hanging a lantern, and it's exact—it's exactly what you do. It's when you have something that's kind of ridiculous and not grounded in the real world, you can have a character point out that it's ridiculous and not grounded in the real world. Exactly, and that, and that grounds it because now you have a character who is like the audience uh, surprised because this is not something that happens in their world. Right. Exactly. So yeah, I agree. We're we're just kind of supposed to take it for granted that that this is what American politics are like. And it's really kind of tough to buy. Like, obviously, politics in the real world are very, by their very nature, competitive. Uh, but when you have literally the main character, he's committed multiple murders now. Like, yep. he's literally murdered people in cold blood. Right. And he's probably done it before, too. Like, they seem yeah, to make that clear. Probably. Too. Yeah. So, like, and there's no, yeah, there's absolutely no, like, mention of wow like everyone in the, everyone in this world is just like really evil there's because like it's such an insular uh society that the show is about right and especially now that we've gotten rid of the the journalism stuff and we've gotten rid of uh, uh claire's workplace stuff and they that, got rid of they got rid of freddie as well yeah and there's no more freddie so anyone who's not in the Washington, D.C. inner circle is gone from this show now. There's no one who potentially could point it out. And even the people who we had who could have pointed it out never did. They also took it for granted that this is how the world was. Right. Right, exactly. They're just like, no, this is, you know, if you want to be president, you have to murder a few people, duh. Yeah, duh. <laughs> and, and yet, and yet, that's the other thing, this inconsistency of the show where you're like, I don't think Walker ever did. I mean, maybe Tusk did to get him into the White House, you know, or arrange some sort of crazy thing like that. Uh, and I guess there's some implication of that where he's just willing to kill a bird and do all these weird things. Yeah. Oh my god, seriously, just wringing the neck of a bird. Could you get any more mustache twirling? Yeah, no, exactly. It was absurd. But, you know, so maybe he did some of that to put Walker in the White House. But you're just like, there are some politicians who are here who you just don't believe ever did the things Frank did to get where he is. He's He, he doesn't seem like a normal person in this society, and yet he's treated like... A normal person, you know, all the other politicians are like, ooh, he's so persuasive. I'm like, persuasive is one way to put it, I guess. Yeah. But. <laughs> and especially since the president, um, President Walker is over and over again, it's kind of emphasized that he's supposed, you know, he's uh, not very powerful. He's controlled by a lot of different people. He's right. not a very charismatic guy like it's kind of amazing that he got elected because he does not come across as a very good president or a very good leader or a good politician especially in this world and that obviously makes it easier for the people on the show to use him for their own ends and to get rid of him when they want to but it also doesn't follow like that in this world he's the guy somebody like that would make it right he's in power because you would think that it would be someone like frank who was in power and that would be way more interesting right if there was someone like Frank who was the president, but it's like, really? That's the guy who's who made it to the top? Well, and that's, to me, what's so interesting about, the you know, Molly, again, going back to Molly Parker's character, because Jackie is somebody, he's, it's sort of like Frank's paving a new path to the presidency, and in his wake, are he's leaving people who are power hungry, and he's leaving this vacuum of, of space that is being filled with people like, like Jackie Sharp and, um, and uh, Remy, and all these characters who... I think can 
can act in opposition to him. It's just they're not doing that yet. But I, they, they are more like him than Walker or I forget the there was that senator or representative that when they were locked in the office during the quarantine. Yeah, was, you know, um, you, you never believe that he was ever like that either. You know, he's just like, how could you say that about my wife? Oh, that's all so awful, and he's just emotional and and strange and you know whatever, and he's just sort of horrified by everything that's going on. But you don't believe that he is certainly not a he's certainly not a, a an Underwood type character. So I think it's interesting that they, he's sort of leaving these people in his wake, these these characters like Jackie Sharp, to, and hopefully they'll end up becoming credible threats. But at the moment, it it just seems absurd that that Underwood's the only one making these massive power plays. Yeah, and if you're doing this world, you really have to go all or nothing. Like you have to do this world where everyone is that is that you know intelligent and manipulative, which would be more interesting, I think, because it would you know. Then we'd be following a character who wasn't always smarter than everyone in the room, right? Um, or you have to do none of them. Like you know, Frank is not maybe newer to maybe newer to politics, but you know, not that not that not that new and whatever. Um, or and he is because of his unique ruthlessness able to do what he does. But there are but because like you said, it's like. Not everyone is as, you know, ruthless as him, but some people are, but then most people aren't. It's just a weird way to make this, to make this world. Well, I don't, I wouldn't even go into absolutes of you have to do it one or the other. You know, I think you can do a mix. You know, sometimes there are those bumbling, you know, characters that end up playing into the larger picture. Um, It's just that uh, you've got to hit that balance right or go into something like an absolute. I would say there's a show, ironically, that does politics way better than this show does, uh, that's not about politics at all, and that's that's um, or scheming and all these hatching plans. I would say that's Spartacus. I don't know how much you've seen of that show, but I, have I, you seen it at all? No. Um, it's it, it's definitely worth your time, but what's interesting about that show is there's, there's no politicians per se, but there's a, I mean, there's a couple of senators that come in and out of the, uh, the plot, but but everyone in the house, the the the, the Domina and the Dominus and all these people, are all con- constantly hatching plans that all constantly thwart one another. You never know where they're going with it, but it's you have this these suspicions that get validated, and there's always a payoff that's just the most sweet catharsis you could possibly imagine. It's amazing, and and that is a situation where you have the opposite of what what you're saying, where you have that that absolute where everyone is really smart. The gladiators are smart. The people who own them are smart. The politicians are smart, and so you have all of these interplay of, of power struggle, and that to me is is fascinating. Seeing where that sort of pans out um, here, it's okay. Again, I think it's okay if you have a few main characters who are really manipulating all of the pawns in, in the in the in the puzzle. But the, they're they're just, but then characters who should who are higher than them should have even more of that those traits. So like, if you're gonna have President Walker be above. Underwood in station, which he is because he's the president, then he should be in this world more, uh, more ruthless, more because because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Um, so it's it's not so much for me that it has to be all or nothing, but that if you're going to do the balance, make sure the hierarchy of a show, especially in a show about politics where hierarchy is endemic, uh, to to make that a part of the the equation. Yeah, it's you're you're right. It's like this is a. Uh, kind of this is a weird comparison but um <laughs> you know when you play a video hey, i brought game, up i brought up turbo so i mean well, okay, game. Sure. <laughs> when you play a video game the final boss isn't the easiest one right like there's a bill but i'm not saying that movies and tv should be structured like video games because they should not but that's just logic right it's like when you get to the end of a story and the, like it goes all the way back to like epics and like you know uh, the trials of Hercules. It's like the easy one. The easy stuff isn't at the end of the journey. Yeah, ever. right. It's a bigger and bigger fish, right? Exactly. Because that's how the story works, right? If it's a journey and it's it's there's all these things you have to face along the way. They really should build as you go, because otherwise it's not interesting. When you get to one, you're like, well, that's a lot easier to deal with than this other ones we did. So no problem. There's no drama there. Right. So yeah, it is weird that the president is so not a threat and it's really 
you know, it's really Tusk who's manipulating him. If anything, Tusk should have been like Doug, you know, the, you know, the president should have been more like Frank and Tusk would have been like Doug is to Frank. So he's this guy who, you know, the, he, he, Frank can't even deal with the president directly because he has this intermediate who is just as, you know, kind of manipulative and, um, intimidating, and that would, I think, would have been a more interesting dynamic, and it would have made it seem a lot more challenging. It would have been more dramatic, whereas what we have is he kind of, like I said earlier, it just kind of happens, and he wins. Right. Yeah, no, and I, I, I think that's, there's a, there's a valid point there. I think that the, the, the power struggle um, works at, on, you know, it's, on paper it makes sense, but the thing is, what they're doing is they're setting up um, I think I know what they're doing, but what, what you're saying for me sort of comes across as it would be cool if they had set the bar differently in the beginning. Cause what they did in the beginning is they had this vice president who, frankly, I don't remember. I barely remember the character. Um, partially cause it was so long ago, partially because he wasn't that interesting, partially because he was weak and easy to supplant. Um, you know, somebody suggested he go back to his state because, you know, Russo's gone or whatever the situation was there. Uh, and then he just leaves. And you're like, okay, well, that was that was easy. Um, and so they set the bar really low. And technically the president was harder to unseat than the vice president. So it is increasing. It's just they set the bar really low. Um, they didn't set him in, like, Frank Underwood level. Frank Underwood's operating at, like, level nine here. And they're all operating at, like, you know, vice president was two and Walker was, like, four. So you know you're you're you haven't he hasn't hit anybody who's really his equal, and they tried to make Tusk that character, but for me he just wasn't all that compelling. Um, but I think what they're doing, and I think this is I I sort of mentioned this before, but I think that he they're trying to make it so Frank is changing the ecosystem of politics, where it's a system that allows for someone like him to exist, and he's making it so that only people like him can exist. So characters like Jackie Sharp can come in, and Remy, and all of these other, um, these sort of power play sort of characters, where uh, you have to be watching at all times from all sides that someone could be coming up from the bottom to supplant you, somebody could be coming from the side, you don't know. And so it's sort of, he's changing the way the White House, and the way Congress, and then the Senate, and everything work. Uh, I don't know if that's really what they're doing, but that's my best guess because at the moment, again, it seems inconsistent. Yeah, the world outside of uh, what we see in House of Cards is kind of a mystery. Like, we, there's no, we get kind of these news reports and we get uh, ideas of how the American public is reacting to this. But because Frank works in the background and in the shadows so much, we don't really see that. And I, uh, what I think about a lot uh, in regards to House of Cards is uh, comparison to The West Wing. I don't know if you've seen The West Wing. I've watched a little bit of it. Um, it's, one of my, it's one of my favorite shows, uh, and you can also watch it all on Netflix. Uh, and it's such a the counterpoint to House of Cards because it has such an optimistic view of politics. Mm-hmm. And the view, the general, you know... Uh, feeling and tone of the show is that politics can do good, and even though it's hard because you know the American public may not accept stuff, yeah. and your opponents may not, you know, may try to stop you. If you're smart and you're capable, then you can get good stuff done. And not only is that, you know, whatever, it's fine if the tone of a show is dark, but The West Wing is so much more believable, and it seems to honestly reflect American politics so much more. Because there are bad people and there are good people, you know, working in government. And it's not even that simple. It's, you know, you know there are people who come into opposition a lot. But right. There's that nuance, doesn't make them right. bad. That doesn't make them good. They don't have, you don't have to be bad right, to right, get right. stuff done. You just have to know what you're doing and know how to, you know, get done what you need to get done. And not just because it, that show depicted a lot more aspects of politics than House of Cards is able to do, just because it has an ensemble cast and there's a lot more uh, areas of, of the White House that it explores. But it just seems like House of Cards, there's, there's no, especially by, at the end of uh, this season, they're not, they're not even pretending that this is supposed to be an accurate representation of, of American politics. Well, you know, you, you say that, and I was just thinking, you know, and yet they have those moments where where polit real um, real political pundits are on the show, right? Talking about yeah, talking about as if it's reality, and I'm like, really? 
that's the angle you want to go with here? You're really going to try and ground this in reality by having cameos from famous real reporters? That seems like an odd choice if you're going to go with this weird, you know, sadomasochistic, weird, bizarre world that's, like, devoid of emotion. Because it doesn't, it's like a fantasy planet. It doesn't seem real. And then when you have, like, Chris Matthews or whoever on the show, you know, you're like, oh, no, it's real. You're like, no, it's not. Come on. You yeah, know? it's, it's, yeah, exactly. You, you can't have it both ways. You can't have this distor- <laughs> this distorted version of reality but then also try to have these cameos from reality. Right, right. And and I don't it's not the cameos themselves that are a problem, but it almost seems like the the um they feel comfortable doing it because they're like, "Oh no, this is this is realistic." You know, this show is so realistic and dramatically sound and you're like, "But it's it's not." And if you were going to go with a fantasy route, don't bother with that stuff. It just doesn't seem viable at all. It doesn't seem like a realistic um thing to do. In the context of this world, it's just, it's absurd. It's an absurd. If you had, for example, in Deadwood, Deadwood was its own thing. It was historically accurate in many ways. Uh, they did a lot of historical research. Um, but they did a couple of things different because they knew it was just wasn't worth the, um, uh, it was fine if it was anachronistic because it didn't fit to do it the other way. It didn't make sense. So they knew they were going to dramatize things that actually happened and they were going to do all these things that were going to change it and it was going to become what what eventually became the show Deadwood. And so they had characters swear all the time even though in the they used uh, they originally did the script with old swears from that time period and it sounded goofy. They did things like um, you know, they never had a character like John, any of John Wayne's characters come into Deadwood because that would be absurd. Um, it it doesn't fit with that world. You know, so it's like you have to know what you've created, the universe you've made, and then just work within that because otherwise it feels like you're trying to do two different things that don't that don't click, they don't fit together. Yeah, it, it, it is a shame because I think, I don't think House of Cards is made for this kind of like, to, it has this, this gloss, this air of a much more uh, complex show, of yep. a much more you know, um, oh god, I don't, I don't know the word, but you know, uh, love a much better show, really. <laughs> but it's really not like when you get down to it. Even though it looks beautiful, it's shot beautifully, it's directed, it, the actors are all great. It's really like this is it's kind of it's kind of similar to what we talked about with True Detective, which is the direct the uh, directing on that show was too good for the material, but the material on True Detective had merit in and of itself. Whereas I think House of Cards is really kind of a like you said, a hammy, a cheesy show, a really over-the-top, sh- ridiculous show in places. Like, it, when we get to the end of that episode and Claire and Frank and Meacham have a, are having a threesome, <laughs> yeah. like, come on, what are you, like, what are you even doing? What, what are you doing? This is just, you know, the most absurd... Well, to be fair, you know. to be fair, that plot with, you know, where you're, you're sort of ambiguous about his sexuality has been going on since... Um, he was he did that reunion he was at that reunion at his old school and no yeah and so that's, that's, so that yeah. was a thing i don't know what the point of this whole meacham thing is unless it's going to play again we don't know what the payoff if the show ended here we'd be like well that was stupid i don't know maybe it's going to play into season three who, who knows uh you know we really don't have the context to be able to say is meacham going to become an important character um but they've held on to him for this whole series so it's really i don't know it's very unclear um, and, and by the way, I think it's, in terms of sex in the show, it's interesting because they really made a huge deal of it in the first season. Uh, and you know, he, he makes that big quote about how sex is power. Um, it's all about power or something like that. And, and his relationship with Claire is so weird and ambiguous sexually. And then Meacham, this whole Meacham thing. And then you have people who are really in love, like, um, like, like Rachel Posner and, and the, and the woman she meets, and uh, and that gets cut off almost instantly, um, and so I I think that it's a part of the I just don't know what they're trying to do with it, but they're clearly they're holding on to it for a reason, um, this the sexual dynamics because it's not a huge part of the show but it's a constant part of the show, so yeah I'm not and then also you have the same thing with Jackie Sharp and uh, with Remy, so you're not I I don't know where they're going you know with Remy Denton right yeah um, so yeah. so you don't know where they're going with these these sexual relationships or what sex means in this world because it's so all over the place. Um, so yeah, you're right. It does come out of nowhere and it, it does feel ridiculous, but I, I just as, as a counterpoint, I just feel like they are going somewhere with it. I just don't know what or where. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm sure they are, but you, uh, it just, 
taken season, on its own terms. Yeah. Should, yeah, the season should work as a whole. Yes, really. no, absolutely. Especially because of the, the binge-watching thing, especially because we're uh, supposed to watch a lot of episodes in a row and consume it in one large chunk or in a few large chunks. Like, it's supposed to be... T- and I, um, um, Bo Willimon, who created the show, talked about how they toyed with the idea, or they, they had this idea of they would just release the season literally in one video, the oh. whole 13-hour video, and you could just choose to stop whenever you wanted. Wow. So, like, that's the design of the show. But it's but it's not. But it's also, <laughs> like, but this is also supposed to lead into another season. Right. You know, so we have, but, like, when we're watching it the way we're supposed to be watching it, we have all this stuff that goes absolutely nowhere, and it's completely unsatisfying. So, you know, if, if you're a real TV show on TV, I say real, real TV show, if you're on television, then you can do that because there's a more continuous flow season to season. But if you're on Netflix and the point that the marketing and the corporation is drilling home is binge-watching. This is binge-watching. That's our market. That's what we're going after. Then you should make a product that's that more fits that, yeah. satisfying at, you know, as a whole and not just leading into the next thing you're going to do. Well, I think to some degree the Lilyhammer approach then makes sense to have lots of little plots because then people don't feel compelled to necessarily watch a whole season at once. Uh, so, so either have like clear delineation within the se- the season or make it so that it's like you said it's designed to be watched all at once um and it's interesting when you talk about tv shows on tv and like what they're trying to do because uh and and the, the sort of the holes they fall into because you know you have a show like parks and rec where you know every season they're like oh they're not going to renew it so you know they have a finale at the end of every season that seems like <laughs> it could be the whole season the whole series finale and uh it's an interesting problem that they run into. Whereas here, they're like banking on a new season. They're like, "Oh yeah, no, we'll be definitely on for a new season." So they don't feel the need. That's what I'm assuming. Um, I don't know when it was renewed. Uh, fish I know when it was announced, uh, but I don't know when they knew that it was going to be renewed. And so you're like, you you have these unresolved things, and you're wondering if it's just because they felt like, "Oh well, you know, we're working with Netflix, and Netflix chose to pick us up again, so we don't have to worry about resolving these things now." But it doesn't make for compelling television if you're waiting for a whole year to hear the re- resolution to, like, one subplot, you know? Um, and not that everything should be tied up. I'm fine with loose ends. But yeah. um, but just, you know, it so much feels like it had so little payoff, um, which feels like a rehash of what we talked about, True Detective. But it's true, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. And it, I think it's... It makes me wonder, like, if Netflix... I think we're in a stage with Netflix where they really are kind of figuring out what they want with their original programming. And I think like, for instance, I think they expected Hemlock Grove to be a <laughs> lot bigger than it was. And I don't know. I watched the first episode. That show was awful. <laughs> um, it's really bad. Yeah. I saw of, of the first, like maybe half the season. It's, you know, I would watch the first half of the season not because it's, it, it gets a lot better, but it gets it gets in, enough better that you can see sort of where they were going. It did feel I'll give this credit, the show credit for this, different than what you would expect in the age of Twilight or whatever. But it was not a good show, so yes, I agree. <laughs> and then you know I feel like the other end of the coin is I don't think they thought Orange is the New Black was going to be as big a deal as it was. That's yeah. now like probably the most positively talked about show that they have you know house of cards has has uh, detractors whereas orange is the new black which i still haven't watched. i haven't caught either yeah me neither. <laughs> which i have no excuse because it's on netflix anytime i want to watch it and it's from the creator of weeds which at least for the first three seasons is one of my favorite shows so yeah i'm, it's, I'm all yes. for it i gotta i gotta check out orange is the new black but i think that was a thing where it's like they didn't think that was going to be as big a critical hit as maybe as it was and now it's also i think I, I assume one of their more popular shows. I would assume so too, yeah. And obviously, House of Cards is House of Cards, and even though they don't release the viewership stuff, um, but I think we can take them at their word that it's pretty popular. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, and it's when you have all this kind of this weird variety, then you also have like they they bring shows back, like they did Arrested Development, they brought it back. They um, they just released uh, the the Star Wars the Clone Wars they did that last season of that show. Yep. They're bringing back the Killing for a final season. It's like it's it's such a bizarre kind of variety, not just of programming, but of like what the programming actually is, like what the shows are. Yeah, and and, 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 and like what you know, it's so funny because you look at these these channels 
uh, on TV, and HBO does the occasional animated fare, but mostly shows uh, these 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 channels stick to their like their what they do. You know, S- Stars does yeah. you know a lot of historical dramas and then over the top things, and HBO does you know heavy dramatic television and and you know an animation uh, network will do mostly animation, but Netflix is all of, you know, they tried horror, they tried comedy, they tried resurrecting old shows, they're doing House of Cards, Lilyhammer, which is like a weird fish out of water comedy drama series, and you're like, what are they doing? And it's it's interesting because there's a variety there, but it's really, it's a different model. Yeah, and it's especially, it is because, yeah, were, were we supposed to take this as like a television network, like as a channel? Because that's, I think, kind of, the I, well, metaf- metaphor is not the right word, but you know that's kind of the style, the idea that they're going for is that we're net like HBO has all these all the shows that they have. These are all the shows that we have. But yeah, there is no real. Well, I don't think what they're. Know. I don't think that's what they're trying to say. I think they're 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 going for a different approach. They're going for what someone who's perhaps never made a television network would go for and say, well, why pigeonhole ourselves with one particular thing? Well, the reason HBO and all these channels do that, I would guess for the most part, is because uh, HBO now is known for The Sopranos and Deadwood and Rome and uh, you know and True Detective and these shows that are really intense dramas. And like there are other shows on HBO, but they keep a focus on like the thing that fits their network well. Same with Stars. So Netflix is creating a weird multifaceted identity, which is, I think, tougher to market, and it'll be interesting to see how that eventually pans out. But I think that it's a it's a weird approach to go for, and it's what somebody, again, I think, who doesn't, who isn't in TV, and maybe it'll work because it's streaming and it's the internet and it's a new age and yada, yada, yada. It's a different thing. But they're, they haven't, they're creating an identity for themselves. None of the shows they've made cohere at all. There's no cohesion there. So, Yeah, and especially when you have, like, the stuff they have up coming up is like they have that that animated show with Will Arnett, and they have all of the Marvel shows that are coming up. Right, like, like the Daredevil show, Jessica Jones. Uh, I think Luke Cage. I don't remember the other one. Um, but in yeah, so it's it's just like you're right. There's really no sense of when you think of HBO and you think of an HBO drama or even like an HBO comedy, like you know, uh, like Curb Enthusiasm or Girls or the or the, or the Office. They they aired for a while here, so yeah, yeah. you you have an idea of what you're going to get. Like you have an idea when you think AMC drama of what you're going to get. Right. But when you think Netflix show, there's really no like, uh, there's no image. Yeah. yeah, there's no cohesion to their network, their quote unquote network. And I think until they do that, I think until they figure out what they are good at, um, it's going to keep, you know, looking like this really weirdly schizophrenic group of shows. And I don't know if they will, because I think their main idea is, well, let's look at what our subscribers like to watch, and then let's just make that and they'll do more of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is not, which is the weird, a weird sort of model to, to approach TV making is not how the networks work, not even premium cable. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they're also, the other thing they're making now is the reason Turbo, I think, is on Netflix is because they're doing this Turbo TV series now, yeah. um, which is like a weird 2D animated, not, yeah, it's, a, it's weird. Uh, so, yeah, again, just further adding to this lack of uh, uh, connectedness uh, in their in their shows. But we'll see. And, and ultimately, I think that, you know, it's okay to, to take risks if you have solid shows. And as much as we complained about House of Cards, um, I certainly enjoyed this season. Actually, perhaps um, perhaps more consistently than I did last season. Maybe not overall at a higher level, but I, I there were less moments where I was like, you know, are you serious? You know, like I hated the first episode of House of Cards where he kills the dog. I thought it was just so on the, you know, you're like, oh, he's like that kind of evil bad guy, okay, <laughs> you know, I wonder who he's going to kill later in the series, you know, like, Russo's death wasn't a surprise to me at all, I was mad, because I was like, please don't do that, he's really interesting, but I wasn't surprised, and then later, in the, there's a an episode towards the end of the first season where um, uh, Frank can't find his wife, and he knows that she's cheating on him with this photographer, and still doesn't think maybe I should check the photographer's apartment, you know, and and or whatever, call that place and find out where she is. Uh, and it's so absurd, like no one would be in that situation. Um, whereas other episodes in that season were really really strong. And here I I thought none of them were perhaps as strong as as the first season's best episodes, but they were overall less 
ridiculous because um, you know there were these extreme lapses in logic in logic or on the nose dialogue. Uh, it was more obscure. So, um, but anyway, point being, I think if House of Cards and Lilyhammer and I guess Origins of the New Black, which I haven't seen yet. Um, if they have those baseline things, I think they have the potential to to take risks on shows like Hemlock Grove, which are just sort of shots in the dark, and see how that pans out. Um, as long as they've got a you know a backup. Yeah, the Marvel shows I think are going to pay for a oh, lot of yeah. oranges, the new blacks. <laughs> um, I would assume, and I, I, that's why you pick those shows up, obviously. Right, absolutely, and you know it's really smart of them to jump on that bandwagon and make that deal with Disney. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that pans out. But uh, ultimately, I, I am looking forward to see what they do with uh, House of Cards season three, for better or for worse, because uh, they really have uh, put themselves in a little bit of a, a box here, and it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, work their way out. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me to talk about House of Cards, and uh, look forward to speaking with you again. All right. All right. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.